Everybody, this is Union Soccer Podcast. I am Sean Brace, joined as always by Joe Tanzi. And uh, boy, oh boy, we got some union conversation to be had. The MLS, uh, we were we're going to have a season now, so a lot has changed. A lot has happened in the last seven days uh, since we first got back together and released our first episode of Union Soccer Podcast for the twenty. 20- 21 season. Uh, Joe, interesting night last night, I would say. First of all, great to have you, my friend, connecting on all things Philadelphia Union. And uh, I don't want to bury the lead, but uh, after last night's draw, you were able to get the head coach, Jim Curtin, for a one-on-one this morning. We'll have that for you in about 20 minutes here or so after Joe and I get done ranting and raving a little bit. Uh, But that was pretty cool, man. Great to have Jim Curtin join you this morning. Did you get any inside information that you could share with us? Yeah, no, it was a a pretty wide-ranging conversation. I mean, look, we haven't really had a a ton of union news lately, so it's it's nice to do these kind of checkups with – with Jim Curtin, you know, they did one with Earth Tanner in December. Kind of, you know, get a feel for where they're at. Um, he shared as much as he could about the preseason process. Obviously, the MLS start date got pushed back two weeks yesterday. That was announced. So, uh, you know, the guys behind the scenes uh, are doing a lot of logistics right now. Uh, the one thing we do know, they're playing Saprisa uh, the first week of April in the CONCACAF Champions League round of 16. Uh, Jim Curtin's actually played uh, Saprisa before in what was then called the CONCACAF Champions Cup back in 2004 when he was with the Chicago Fire. Uh, somehow found a, a photo last night of him uh, with, with the fro uh, when, he, you know, when he still had that long hair uh, playing for the Fire. Uh, so he said she shared some, some things about uh, preparing these guys because you, you look at this roster. Um, I think Alejandro Bedoya is really the only one that has a, a true understanding of the nonsense that is Concacaf. I mean, it's it's unique uh, in its own right. Uh, there's really no way to explain it unless you've experienced it firsthand. So uh, it was fun, kind of digging Jim's brain on that. Uh, there's a there's a vet reference in there about the the old stadium he played at in uh, against the Prisa. So that that was uh, an interesting comparison to say the least. And um, we got a little preview of the guys who were coming in because let's be honest, uh, we don't know too much about these homegrowns uh, unless you've followed the academy a lot and are really digging into what these players are about. Uh, you don't really know too much about them coming in. Uh, last year was kind of a wash because we didn't get to see them firsthand in, in training or in any uh, or in many games. So uh, yeah, he gave us a nice little scouting report on on the five homegrowns, the boy band of homegrowns, including uh, <laughs> you know the, the 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 latest member of the Aronson family to to join the Philadelphia Union. So yeah, it was a pretty pretty fun inter- interview with Jim. He's usually very open with us. Uh, so yeah, a good 25 minutes with him uh, covering pretty much everything uh, that we have at the moment, even talking a little bit about 
Kai Wagner and Jose Martinez. So yeah, it's a, it's a fun catching up with Jim and, and hopefully we have more games to talk about and break down because it sounds like they're they're itching and ready to go as well. Great. Well, I know I am. I know you are as well. I know a lot of Union Faithful are as well. And just so you know, shout out to our friends over at Brotherly Game inside the Gambler Studio. I have that uh, uh, the print uh, that they put together, History and Chester, Union Win the Supporter Shield. It's now hanging up. In the Gambler studio, so it's just making me uh, more and more excited about this upcoming season. Of course, the New Jerseys, and to be honest with you, Joe, I get excited when I see Brendan Aronson scoring a goal. You know, I get excited about seeing Mark McKenzie getting the start where he's at. It makes me think about Union Soccer, and it, it, it honestly then it pushes you into the Young Guns. So I'm really intrigued to hear what you and Jim had to uh, discuss because I'm learning uh, just as much as anybody else out there with uh, these new guys. The homegrown, so a uh, lot to lot to look forward to. That's for sure. Um, all right, well, look, we I work at the Gambler. Joe is always on with me as well. We covered all things Philadelphia Union Soccer for the Gambler uh, last season as the flagship station. Fingers crossed, we're going to be that again this year. Who knows? Uh, conversations are being had. But one of the things I wanted to start off this Union Soccer podcast with you, Joe, is have you looked at the upcoming MLS odds uh, as of late? I have not, but I, I'm about to. So well, don't just yet. Be, no, don't cheat. Should I be surprised? Yes, don't cheat. All right. Okay. There's. First of all, where would you have the union? Oh, um, I'd say second tier in terms of odds. Okay. Knowing how they get valued. If I told you there was four teams in front of them, could you name those four teams? Probably. Go. LAFC. At the top, plus 375 to win it all. Not surprising. I assume the Sounders and TFC are in there just because of name alone. Three and four. 500, uh, plus 500 for Seattle, plus 550 for Toronto. Who's the number two ranked team? So then it would have to be the crew because they're defending champs, right? There you go. Plus 450, the Columbus crew sitting there. And then the Philadelphia Union, 7-1, to one, NYCFC, 8-1, to one, Orlando, 11-1, to one, and the Revs, 14-1. to one. So uh, nothing too surprising with you there. You'd say the Union, what, aren't in that top tier with Toronto, Seattle, Columbus, and LAFC? Um, they are, but I know how the, the odds makers kind of value them. And I know exactly uh, that that sounds about right, plus 700. I mean, they're, I'm looking at it now. They're third on the Eastern Conference chart uh, behind Columbus and Toronto. That doesn't shock me. Uh, they were never really viewed as the, the favorite until the end uh, with the Supporter Shield last year. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not stunned. I, I think that's pretty much uh, on par for what we saw them valued at last year. All right. Well, yeah, nothing too surprising there. I, I, you know what I say though, seven to one—that's some decent value on the Union. Don't win yeah, it all. Even, even, I mean, plus three twenty-five to win the East—that's that's not terrible value either for a team that you know. Obviously, they, they lost two big pieces, but uh, for a team that has a a lot of returners and yeah, you know, it's and look, it's hard to go back to back in any trophy in MLS, but 
but yeah, that's a, a pretty decent price for what they're returning. No doubt. All right, Joe. Uh, having some fun with that. Okay, well, let's rewind. Last week we talked about whether or not uh, we don't know if there will be a season. I uh, I played some devil av- played devil's advocate with you and uh, gave you my reasons why I thought that it would have been a little bit uh, tougher. I, I I mean, I'm not privy to the conversations happening behind the scenes, so I don't know how smooth it was. But ultimately, all we care about is there is a season. Now, it was pushed back another week or so, so it's going to start up in mid-April. Uh, but you, are you surprised at anything as far as the uh, the Players Association and the new deal that they struck? Uh, is there anything that you learned that maybe intrigued you a little bit more? Or what's your thoughts on the whole situation? Are you just excited uh, that they were able to get the deal done? Um, I wasn't in any doubt that a deal wasn't going to get done, to be honest with you. Um, uh, I think I mentioned it last podcast. I've seen it all before. Uh, look, it, is everybody going to be happy with the deal? No. Uh, it being extended to 27 is a big deal because uh, the World Cup's here in 2026, and, and there's a projected revenue um, raise because of that, because of the, the marketing that will come into the popularity in the sport, you know, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but, I mean, there was never not going to be a season. Most can't afford it. Uh, the players actually can't afford it. So it's just a matter of the two sides finally getting down to the wire and getting a deal. I mean, that's how these negotiations have worked. And it's, I don't want to use the word fear-mongering because that's a, that's a bold statement, but there was a little bit of kind of uncertainty being floated out in the media and being said, like, hey, you know, uh, the, the word lockout doesn't sit well with a lot of people. Well, uh, look, even if they didn't come to an agreement by now, preseason was scheduled to start on the 22nd. Uh, it's probably going to be pushed back a, a little bit now uh, for the non-Champions League teams. And look, they were going to get a deal done. Uh, it's just not in anybody's interest to have a, a lockout that harms the season. So um, I, I was in the camp. Maybe I'm on my own here. Maybe I'm just you know planting the flag my own little take mountain over here. But uh, I never thought there was going to be a substantial lockout if there was even going to be one. Um, it, there was going to be a season. The players don't get paid enough to afford it, no matter what um, surplus the, the players' association has has racked up. Um, just in case there is a lockout, the owners can't afford it. They can't afford the bad press right now. Uh, this league's going up. I mean, look at the, the talent that's going over to Europe. There's a reason why people are watching MLS more and more. Uh, from an outside perspective, because the talent's there and they want to know who the next young guns are. Um, I understand internally, yes, the players were frustrated with it. I get that part, but I don't think uh, it was, at least in my opinion, it wasn't the right move to say, hey, there's going to be a lockout, there's going to be a lockout, because we've seen in in past years that uh, deals have gotten done. Uh, Could the process be better? Sure, I'll agree to that. But, I mean, to, to say there was ever going to be a lockout of, of any significance, I think, is kind of overblowing it. All right. Well, here we are, and now the season is in front of us. Question, uh, as far as preseason is concerned, 
what's happening with the union here? If we're looking at a season, I mean, I'm just so confused because, you know, they got the Champions Cup draw, which they'll be in Costa Rica in what, the first week of April? Yeah. Okay. So the season is now what, scheduled? When was the first date of the season scheduled for? So it's pushed back from April 3rd to April 17th. Okay. So right there, there's some conflicting stuff happening. We're dealing with COVID. Uh, I don't know what the procedure is there, whether they're going to Florida or they're going to remain in Delaware or or whatnot. But, um, I I mean, after you had your one-on-one with Jim, were you able to learn any of those details? And if not, what's your best guess? How does this play out for the union? So there's a lot of logistics involved right now because the season got pushed back two weeks and that official decision just came down yesterday. So um, with that in mind, now you don't have to worry about an opening fixture uh, on April 3rd. You just have to worry about getting to Costa Rica. So Jim, you know, Jim went into more detail and I'll let him explain in the interview better, but um, basically they're they're looking for like a warmer climate. They're trying to find games. They're trying to line up things uh, down South where they hopefully can train uh, and, and play a few games down there before going to Costa Rica. He also mentioned flight time. Um, you know, going from Florida to Costa Rica obviously cuts cuts down two, two and a half hours from Philly. So um, all these little things, um, the guys behind the scenes have been getting involved with, and um, we don't have any specific answers yet, but, uh, you know, hopefully we have them soon. Uh, the players, some of them that are you know based in market have been have been working out at the facilities. Uh, the guys that are out of market right now obviously have to come back soon to, to quarantine and all that stuff. Um, and when you look at the the schedules in previous years, the Champions League teams got I think an extra week or two to train preseason before uh, all the other teams got to camp, and that was because Champions League started before the MLS season about 10 days or so. So that's exactly what uh, we're in right now. So, I, I mean, the, the date given out was January 22nd when there was an April 3rd MLS start. Um, I would think we'd see the union – or, sorry, February 22nd. Um, I, I would think the union are still in that range, but I think everything's still very fluid because, you know, everything's uh, – uh, on MLS's side has been fluid for the last few weeks. So now that you have – April 17th is your start date. I would think the non-Champions League teams maybe start closer to the 1st of March. Um, I don't think there's going to be too much difference with the Union because they're going to have to get up to game speed. uh, And to do so, it requires four to six weeks of of training. All right, Joe. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing what Jim has to say coming up in a little bit. But, uh, you know, look, we got a long way to go, of course, but it'll be here before we know it. Um, but as far as this roster is shaping up, let's get into some of that conversation if we could. Uh, we joked, we just had like a little giggle there about replacing Brendan Aronson and Mark McKenzie. Uh, that's not going to be easy, right? I, I mean, we just can't expect somebody to step right in and fill those voids. I mean, Brendan Aronson is is a is a, a kid on the rise. I mean, he proved his worth. And Mark McKenzie, you know what I think about him. I, I said he was the best center back in the league last year. So, uh, I, I mean, to me, this is going to be difficult, but I'm curious to know your thoughts as far as the replacement there and, and whether or not we'll see some new blood in the starting 11 this year besides those two spots. Um, I mean, that's 
again, a fluid question. I, I would think that we do. Um, everything that Ernst Tanner and Jim Curtin have said to myself this offseason uh, suggests that there will be players coming in. The timing of that, I can't tell you specifics. I don't know uh, what's going on behind the scenes. My hunch last week was maybe they're waiting on the, the season dates to be finalized. Um, how much does you know, the, the transfer window itself within MLS get pushed back? Uh, I think there's a lot of variables. Uh, look, in past years, Ernst Tanner has, has his guys in right away. December, January is when we've seen the, the bulk of these signings. That way they're ready to go in Clearwater in, in February. That's not the case right now. And, it, again, it's a completely different year. Um, you know, I saw the, the interview that Ernst did with, with an Italian site. Um, you know, I don't know how much stock you can put into it. I mean, look, they're, they're obviously going to focus on the academy and, and bring these guys through, but they still have to bring guys in. They have to bring some experience in. You know, these 16, 17-year-olds, um, they're all not Brendan Aronson. <laughs> you know, they're, they're going to take a little bit of time. You know, some of them don't have the signed positions yet. So I still expect a few additions to come in, um, possibly, you know, hopefully soon, now that everything has been finalized in terms of dates. Um, I'm not saying they're going to bring in, you know, a DP striker, but uh, I think they need a, a little more depth up top, um, maybe some insurance for Fontana, and then that third center back that's been talked about for a month or so now. So there, there are spots that, that need um, bolstering and depth. Um, I mean, you have Glessness to slide in at center back. You have Fontana at the 10. At least you have that, um, you know, depending on what Paxton Aronson can do right away. I mean, there's your uh, some capacity of a backup to to Fontana. Uh, you'll hear uh, some of these homegrowns got some very high reviews mm. from Jim Curtin. Well, I'll, I'll save that for the interview, including a, a, a comparison to one of uh, the most experienced players on this team, which I found very interesting. But, uh, I mean, for now... Wait, 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 wait. I, I, I got a guess. I, I mean, you're, you're telling me there's a comparison to Osino? No. Oh. Ex- another, another experienced player on this team. There's somebody more experienced than Osino on this roster? Am I losing my brain here? I mean, Bedoya's been around forever. That's I was going to say, it's got to be Bedoya, but, like, yeah. who's who's been around longer? Just I know that's, that's, that's we're, we're, like, nitpicking, but who's been around longer? Yeah. Oh, Osino. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. There, All right. there is there actually there actually was um, I'm not going to give away the entire interview here, but there was a little uh, tidbit about Il Cino and one of the homegrowns nice. mentioned in there. So uh, yeah, but one of them one of them drew kind of a, you know, a vague comparison to Ali Bedoya, which which really intrigued me. And look, as someone hand up, I don't know much about these guys coming in. Sure, uh, you know there's um, a lot that a lot that goes on during the season, and you know the best glimpse you get of these players uh, is usually in training. So obviously we didn't see that firsthand. Um, Hopefully we see a little bit of it uh, if they're around the area uh, for preseason. But uh, it it was nice to kind of get a a scouting report from the head coach himself to just kind of get a a feel of 
of where some of these guys will play, how high um, the coaching staff is on them. I think you can get a feel from the way Jim breaks them down. But uh, it's going to be intriguing to see. And, and look, we, remember Jack DeVries and Cole Turner now have a, a year under their belt as well. Uh, they're essentially, you know, they're, they're second-year professionals, but now they're, you know, escalated uh, up the elevated, excuse me, on the depth chart because they have, you know, at least been with the first team. So maybe, you know, Jack DeVries comes in and gets a few more minutes up top. Uh, Cole Turner maybe at the beginning chips in with some MLS minutes at center back. You, you don't know. But I, essentially you would treat it as, as seven new guys just because DeVries and Turner didn't play too, too much last year. All right. Well, I, you know what? I mean, look, here, this is what I said last night on socials. I plan on, we, we plan on doing a lot more, at least every week here, having a new release. It's real easy for us to do. You're on my show on the Daily Ticket uh, every day, it seems like, throughout the course of the week. So we got to get together and record and give the people what they want. So I look forward to hearing what you and Jim discussed, and that's coming up next. Uh, but next week, uh, I really look forward to diving deeper into what we're about to see with this Costa Rica team, this draw, uh, realistic chances of, of making a run at this thing, so on and so forth. I want to know the history. There's a lot that I don't know. There's a lot that I don't know when it comes to this side of the Champions League here over with this. So, uh, I'm going to be learning a ton, and I can't wait to uh, break it all down with you next week, Joe. Yeah, and look, hey, it's, it's a very realistic bracket. I mean, the other side of uh, the bracket is Atlanta United and El Alente from Costa Rica. So there's no Mexican team until the semifinals. Uh, if, if you really want to get that deep really quick into bracket analysis, uh, it, it's there for the taking if, if, if it's done right. You know, they avoided – the best team in, in pot two, which is Club Leon from, from Mexico. They avoided any Mexican teams to the semifinals. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's there for the taking. Uh, Saprissa is uh, no joke. I mean, they're, they've got a ton of uh, experienced international players, but the good news is from a, a brief scan of their roster, uh, some of their key players have been uh, in MLS very recently, like Kendall Watson, Christian Bolaños, uh, there's a few others. So it's not like the union have to dig too deep into the scouting reports, and, and they've seen some of these guys firsthand. So maybe that helps, as well as having the second leg at home. And from what it sounds like, the first leg in Costa Rica is not going to have fans, which is a, a huge oh yeah, difference, huge difference maker when it comes to CONCACAF. So it's, you know, everything is, you know, it, it's so interesting because it's, like we've seen it from the periphery, from Philadelphia, you know, the diehard soccer fans know all about it. But if you hopped on the the, the union wagon last year and, and you're really intrigued by what this season brings, uh, and you hear the, the Champions League, you know, what's that? What does that entail? What you know, they're going to Costa Rica. Yeah, uh, it's it's a brand new world for the union, you know, and it's it's something that. that Obviously, we can explore it in depth in, in two months. Um, I've already hit up a few people that are uh, better you know, experts with, with Costa Rican and Caribbean soccer. Uh, we'll try and get them on the pod. We'll, we'll try and do as, as much as we can to get you informed so you know everything about Saprissa and, 
in two months. Just think of it this way. We're all going to become experts on, on Costa Rican soccer. I, I know I can pick out a handful of you on, on Twitter that are listening right now that have already gone through some highlights, and uh, I don't blame you. You're the, you're the, uh, the unofficial union Twitter scouting committee. Uh, you can name yourself to that if you know who you are. There's about five or ten of you uh, that, that you know, are the, the transfer scouting committee as well. Uh, you're also now the, the the Saprisa scouting committee. This is like the office where, like, you know, Angela is like the head of the party planning committee. <laughs> We're just like, you know, you know, the five to ten people on Twitter who, you know, God bless them, have have all the time in the world. Uh, you are your roles have now shifted from uh, instead of planning for Christmas, you're planning for Valentine's Day. Same approach, but uh, we need those YouTube highlights and and those breakdowns of what you think and and give us two months in advance and. Uh, like I said, I, 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 there's like five or ten of you guys, maybe even more. Uh, but I know who you are, and uh, I, I appreciate. It. I'm not I'm not saying this is a slight. I appreciate that the dedication you put in before us because uh, it, it's much appreciated. Well, we got a lot to do here next week. We'll get into all of that to draw the whole nine yards. Uh, or excuse me, the team that they drew. So there's a lot to discuss, and uh, I look forward to doing it next week on uh, the next edition of Union Soccer Podcast. But first, one-on-one with the head coach, Jim Curtin. Joe Tanzi and Jim Curtin earlier this morning going over it all, and I'm looking forward to hearing what they have to say here. Did I introduce it nice, nice, or like good enough, Joe, there? Yeah, that's good enough. All right, nice. The, the, the interview speaks for itself. That's all that matters. Joe Tanzi and Jim Curtin starts now. So I'll start with, you know, just kind of now you've had a, a few months to kind of just, you know, sit back. You know, 2020 was a, yeah. was a wild, wild season. Um, I, I know now that it's, you know, it's February now. Have you kind of let everything sunk in and, and how crazy and, and special last season was for you guys? Yeah, look, I mean, you know, uh, 2020 was uh, certainly a unique year, um, but it was far and away the the best year uh, in the the Philadelphia Union's history for sure. Um, So many positives from, you know, lifting the first trophy to, um, you know, watching Mark uh, and Brendan, uh, you know, just accelerate and then go overseas. Um, You know, the seasons that Ali Bedoya and Andre Blake had and, and Jamiro and so many guys that, um, just performed so well. Uh, that part was special. The only negative and the only regret I have is I've had a couple you know months now to think about it is just the fact that our fans didn't get to be in that stadium and and, and be with us while we played um, you know really really good soccer all season long. So that's the one regret and the only negative I could find in the the year when you reflect back on it. Um, you know we know they were with us in in spirit and, and we know they were with us watching on TV, but. Um, I wish they got to experience uh, just how fun this team was. Um, and now it's up to us to do it again in, in 2021. So, uh, again, we're, we've had, a, again, a, a strange um, off season and that you couldn't really travel. Uh, you couldn't really, um, you know, we didn't know exactly what the timelines would look like with the different things that were going on in the league. Um, but now it's becoming more and more clear. Uh, we know with our Champions League, uh, opponent and date is um, we know approximately when MLS will be starting up again so um, 
you know, you get excited, you get some adrenaline pumping through you, and, and, and you really start to look forward and focus on next year. Our players are already in working out, which is a great sign, uh, young and old guys, uh, in working out every day, doing their plans, and, and, and start training already. Uh, so we're excited. So when you finally see a game in front of you, I, I know because the, the CBA negotiations have, have pushed things back, when you finally see an actual tangible opponent drawn with yeah. you how does that kind of get the juices going a little more you know knowing that okay we actually have someone to, to scout and and prepare for and and kind of put that date on the calendar now you mean for the champions league for champions league yeah yeah exactly so yeah i mean look our our scouting department and our analytics department was was hard at work and had had things broken down for basically all the op- potential opponents in in pot two um you know um you know you, you saw the the, the tougher ones, obviously, Leon in Mexico is in first place. Al Valencia is a, a top team. Saprisa has incredible history. Um, you know, there's never going to be an easy matchup, so we know it's going to be difficult. But you know, we we were prepared and had some some data and, and information on the opponents. But now, obviously, last night um, with the uh, excitement of the Champions League, you know, um, you know draw. Um, you know, we get a, a really tough team in Saprissa, but one again, this is why we want to be in Champions League. We want to test ourselves against the best, and uh, you know, it's a team that, to be honest, when you look through the roster, there's a lot of familiar names: Guzman from from Portland back in the day, uh, Waston, who we played against last year, uh, Bolaños, a really good attacker that was in, in MLS as well. So, a lot of familiar pieces. Um, and it's an experienced team with uh, with a new coach, you know. So they have that that boost of getting a new coach. Um, so uh, again, a, a tough tough team to play against. A uh, hostile environment down there in Costa Rica for sure. Um, you know, I don't think fans will be in the stadium, which which always helps us <laughs> when you go on the road. But um, still, will be a, a really tough first round opponent. So you've played at Saprissa before. I was doing yeah. doing a little search on on Google last night. Uh, you scored a goal against them as well <laughs> in the second leg. Yeah. So the first leg was actually this is how old I am. Um, the new stadium was just finished uh, that they currently play in. Okay. Um, but I think they wanted to do one final send off in the old stadium. And, and when I say this thing was old, um, again, a lot of history. They guess they have over thirty five champ. They're basically the Man United of their country. They have thirty five or some championships, you know. Um, but they wanted to do like a final send off in this stadium. And, and when I say it makes the old vet look like a. A palace. <laughs> now, I'll just say it nicely. I mean, it was. It's there's no there was no seats in the stadium. It's literally it was cement. Um, the field was grass, but also was cement. <laughs> uh, Chris Armis, I remember, got a typical Concacaf got uh, two yellow cards in about a three minute span and got sent off in about the thirtieth minute in the first leg. Um, you know, you got a locker room where. Uh, you have people literally punching through the windows, and, and it was intimidating. It was a scary place to go play. Lots of purple around. Um, we lost 2-0 there. Uh, I remember actually a young uh, Sabarillo who went on to play in, in Salt Lake and DC United and MLS uh, scored against us there. Um, and then the second leg, we, we lost 2-1 at Soldier Field. But, yeah, I scored a, a late goal to make it interesting at 3-2. And we, we wound up getting knocked out by Saprissa. But really good team. Uh, you know, some funny memories for sure. Um, I think Champions League has now grown uh, immensely and has taken a lot more 
uh, just pe- more people are aware of it uh, and the significance and important. I guess that's exemplified by Gus Tegers gets a shot at, at the big Bayern Munich today. So um, it continues to grow, um, and, and we're honored to be a part of it now here in Philly. So how much do, do you kind of, I know it's been you know a decade plus since you've played down there, but for, for you and just that experience alone, I know Ali's got you know oodles and oodles of yeah. experience from, from his journeys in CONCACAF. How much do you kind of bank on, on those specific experiences when you, when you go to a guy like, you know, say, Kai or, or, or Jose and say, hey, you know, this is just a completely different animal than what you've ever played in before? How, how do you prepare yeah. somebody from a, a different continent for what exactly entails CONCACAF? Well, yeah, it, it's unique. You know, um, you're not going to get any calls on the road uh, that are going to go in your favor. Um, you, you prepare them and you tell them, uh, look, from the moment we, we land in Costa Rica, first I'll preface this by saying Costa Rica is a beautiful, beautiful country. I, I got the opportunity to, to drive the whole entire coastline with my with my wife in a Jeep, and that was quite the experience. It's beautiful. People are so friendly and awesome. Um, so many are, are welcoming and speak English. Having said that, <laughs> they're passionate about their soccer. So from the second we get off the bus, you can expect things um, – like in the hotel we stay in, uh, the fire alarms will be going off all throughout the night. They'll, we'll have to be evacuated at 3 in the morning. Uh, you'll wake up the next morning. Um, I'll, I'll just say the, the police escort to the stadium will make a few wrong turns. Uh, the bus will be surrounded by their fans for sure for a moment. Uh, uh, you'll get to your, your pregame warm-up and, and they'll give you one soccer ball that's blown up to the point where if you kick it, it's going to burst and, and that'll be the only ball you'll have to warm up. So a lot of gamesmanship will go on um, as, as it does in the CONCACAF Champions League uh, competition and, uh, and when you go into these difficult environments. So, um, you know, you, you prepare the guys the best for it uh, as possible. Um, but the only way to really learn is to, is to go through it and, and manage it. Um, we have to go and approach the first leg. Uh, obviously, it'll be our first real meaningful game of significance in a long time, which will be challenging. Um, so you want to kind of take it 15 minutes at a time, uh, you know, not concede early goals um, where, where it can get them going and feeling good. Uh, so, again, we'll, we'll – We'll go for it for sure, but we have to be smart about how we do go for it um, because you can find yourself, uh, as often happens, you know, too far behind after that first leg. Uh, so we want to keep it tight, keep it close, and then obviously coming back to Subaru Park um, where we are, are a very strong team, um, you know, we want to give ourselves a chance to move on. And then, you, you know, you look ahead, obviously, already, and it's mm-hmm. Atlanta and Alawanense, uh, which are two great teams for sure. But, um, you know, we did get the break of, you know, maybe avoiding a – one of the top Mexican teams in, in those early rounds. So I'm going to have to take advantage of that. So in a, in a normal year, you guys are you know, preparing to get on to Florida. Do you have any idea of, of what uh, preseason may look like in, in terms of just training and then even trying to get a, a few games under the guy's legs? For sure, yeah. And I, I feel worse the, the worst for Josh Gross throughout all this, our team administrator, who's, who's probably booked and, and canceled 500 different itineraries and and, uh, and plans. But no, our, our sports performance department, Garrison Draper, does an incredible job. Um, you know, we're weighing uh, a couple different plans right now, now that we know it is Costa Rica. Um, you know, we might push back and, and, and go down to Clearwater a little later so that we can actually leave from Clearwater directly to to Costa Rica um, to kind of cut into that 
long flight um, and and the risk of possible, you know, still terrible weather here in Philly. So mm-hmm. um, to get acclimated to the temperature. So we might go a little later. Uh, obviously, you know, with the MLS season being pushed back uh, quite a bit, um, it, it, it works as an advantage because we're not going to have a congested, you know, play in Saprissa that have your first MLS game or, or, or something on the weekend. Um, but it also works against us in that we're not maybe going to be at our sharpest and we have to recognize that. So, um, we have some preseason games in, in, in place, um, in certain placeholders down in Florida. Um, we'll try to, you know, finalize those. Uh, but again, it's been a, a certainly a moving schedule. Um, but I, I really trust our, our sports performance department and I really trust our players that, that, to do a good job of staying in really good shape. And then um, we'll have some weeks here in Philly. Um, if we have to go indoors, we'll go indoors a little bit. Um, you know, we recognize it'll be a game on turf, so we'll have to adjust to that. So a lot of variables go into it, um, but the boys will be excited and, and ready to go that first game against the precinct. Were you nervous at all seeing what happened with the with the uh, the CBA negotiations that you know that there was going to be some type of lockout? Or were you were you confident that uh, the two sides would would come to some type of deal and, and avoid that? Yeah, your hope is um, that they can reach an agreement, and unfortunately, they they did. Um, there's always a scary moment or two where it gets pushed to uh, the final wee hours or the. the the last minute, but uh, I'm happy both sides uh, came to an agreement. Now we can focus just on um, continuing to grow grow this league. Uh, so many good players, it improves every year, and uh, I'm glad they they finalized things and, and reached an agreement. So for for this season, I mean the the, the key um, note so far, you, you resign or you signed Kai and, and Jose to, to longer deals. Yeah. I know Corey got a, a new deal as well. Um, I know there was a lot of talk about Kai and the interest overseas in him at, towards the end of last season. Um, were you aware of, of any of that after the season? And, and then how important was it to lock in the, those key pieces on longer deals uh, yeah. heading into the season? Look, we, we view Kai as a, as a top one of the top right left backs in uh, MLS. So again, now, you know, we, we thought it was important, you know, there's still interest from, for him in, in Europe. So that, that kind of made us recognize, you know, we better lock him down um, so that, you know, he doesn't just leave on a free uh, as time passes by. So uh, he's a big part of our, our uh, team success. He's a big part of how we, we like to play. Uh, and again, you know, we know that, at any moment, a team could come for him, um, but you know, locking him down certainly, uh, you know, secures our future with him, and it, it secures, you know, the, whatever the the next move for Kai is. Um, you know, it, it puts us in kind of the driver's seat rather than the other way around. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where he's 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 got only a half year left or, or something like that. And same thing with Jose. You know, we we, we saw him uh, as a guy who outperformed certainly his contract for the the bargain we got him on previously um guy who you know wears his heart on his sleeve plays the way um we see our system uh working and, and is an important piece in the defensive midfield for us so a similar thing where we want to lock these guys down um longer term uh doesn't change that there's interest from them in the different parts of the world um but now they're um it gives us a little more leverage and 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 time to work with them and, and win games here in Philadelphia. So the, I know in a, in a normal 
year we see some of the, these younger guys that are signed to, to pre-contracts, you know, we see them, uh, you know, steal Union 2, whatever iteration of, of a USL or reserve team. Uh, we, uh-huh. didn't, we didn't get to see that, obviously, because of, you know, the, the rules with, with the pandemic and, yeah. and, and, and stuff like that. So if you could, kind of with the, the five homegrowns that, that are coming in, can you give us a, a little bit of a, a scattering report on each and how each is progressing? And, and, and I know it's hard to compare it to a Brendan-type impact going into lineup yeah. and scoring you know, right away, but how close are, are those guys to making some type of major impact on the first team? Yeah, look, it was difficult last year. Um, we made the best out of it, but you know, we, we couldn't have our, our normal, you know, constant interchange of having them in with first team and, and um, you know, taking looks at them. We couldn't just easily move players just because of all the COVID protocols. So that was, uh, was disappointing. Um, you know, we missed out on getting games for guys like uh, Cole Turner and Jack DeVries. Um, that was difficult, um, but hopefully things get sorted out more this year. But in terms of the, the five new guys, um, you know, a lot of them have been in first team. Actually, all of them have been in first team training at, at some point uh, during their development. And each one is going to have have highs and lows at different times of their growth and development as they transition into the first team. Um, I guess I'll go through them one by one. Uh, Nathan Harrell, um, you know, has a great mentor in front of him uh, in Ray Gaddis. Uh, you know, and if, if he can become that type of defender, um, he certainly has um that defense first mindset and mentality he's a lockdown you know shut you down one-on-one defender which we saw um you know we you know intentionally put Del Cino against him a lot in training and, and he did a great job but no one does it perfect against Del Cino, but uh you know that's a great way for him to learn and he does a good job on the defensive side of the ball we'll still work with him on his now his positioning at the back post um you know, his ability to get forward and, and get crosses into the box that we need from our outside backs, but um, has all the athletic tools uh, to, to become a, a great defender in this in this league and has a, a perfect mentor in Ray Gattis to kind of help him along the way. Um, who should I go to next? I'll go, um, I'll go Quinn Sullivan. Uh, when you talk about, you know, a kid that has the desire to run and cover ground um, almost on a, on a Brendan Aronson-type level, um, physically fit uh again still so young and and still so much room for growth but uh, he's a guy that i could see helping us uh in his first year um again um still needs to get games under his belt but uh is a guy that's comfortable on the ball uh you know i think has the ability to have i know this is big big words from the coach but um you know, you, you look at the career, amazing career that Ali Bedoya has had and playing in Europe. Um, Quinn Sullivan has that um, kind of uh, ability, uh, and he has the, the mindset and the mentality and the intelligence, the soccer IQ of an Ali. Um, you know, he's still young, uh, and, and he's going to be a guy that's very coachable and, and works hard uh, on both sides of the ball and is a real fit for our philosophy and how we want to play. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to work with Quinn. Um, Brendan Craig has... has you know, played multiple positions for the U.S. national team. Uh, he's played as an outside back. He's played as a six. He's played as a center back. Um, you know, he's just a good all-around soccer player. And I think time will determine what spot is best for him with the, the first team and with the Philadelphia Union. Um, again, he'll get minutes in the, in the preseason. He'll be a kid that, uh, again, is very coachable, uh, will, will work his tail off, um, 
who's in the the picture for the U.S. national team had had suitors overseas in Europe, just like Quinn did. Um, so we're happy we, we locked him down. So, um, you know, this preseason will be would be, be important for him. Uh, I know him, Quinn, uh, Nathan, all of them are actually doing a great job staying fit this off season, and, and uh, just can't wait to get to work with 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 Brandon as well. Uh, Paxton obviously will will draw the comparisons uh, of his brother because they share the same last name. Um, you know those are, are big shoes to fill, obviously right away. Um, so again, with Paxton, everybody sees his ability to make a final pass. Uh, everybody sees how good he is around the goal. Um, you know maybe shoots a little better than Brandon. Um, we'll, we'll have to work with him on the defensive work that Brendan became so great at. Um, you know, and, and just his Brendan's ability to break plays up and, and, and work and help us on the defensive side. I think Paxton has some room for growth on that side of things. Um, but certainly skill wise, um, he's a true, you know, number 10. Uh, he gets goals, he gets assists and, um, you know, sees the game like Brendan and that he has a way of, um, you know, thinking two and three plays and passes ahead. Um, and he's getting bigger and stronger too, which 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 helps. Uh, it's not necessary. It's not you know the only thing that matters, but um, you're seeing him put weight on, and you're seeing him uh, grow, which will only help him get through the grind of a, a 34 game you know MLS MLS season. So, um, and another important piece for us. Which one did I forget? I'm, um, <laughs> uh, I think McGlynn. McGlynn. Yeah. Oh, gosh, Jack is Jack is uh, when you just talk about. Uh, you know, a, a, a soccer, a pure soccer player that you almost could plug anywhere on the field and he'll adapt and adjust. He's uh, an incredible passer of the ball. Uh, he, he reads the game very well, like a, a Harris level passer, <laughs> you know, again, it, for a young kid, I don't want to get get carried away, but um, he has that ability to see the, the final pass. And, you know, in our system, um, you know, that ability to play forward, to play through the lines, to play balls over the top uh, and play vertical. Um, Jack is, is is at an incredibly high level for a kid at such a young age. Um, again, like all of them, the, the biggest adjustment will be the the defensive side and, and, and doing the work, but he's certainly shown he can cover ground, willing to run. Um, you know, and another kid that, you know, I'm really excited to to get to know better and get to work with uh, on a daily basis. And, and look, all, all five of them have a lot of good mentors um, and, 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 you know, veterans that will help them through this process, just like the coaching staff will help them through this process. But the potential for all five of them is, uh, is incredible. Uh, this is that next wave of kids coming through. Uh, and again, you know, we don't, at the union, we don't kind of just like, we're not doing a complete overhaul and a rebuild. It's just a just a just a retool, and these guys will step in and do a good job for us. If there isn't a, a ton of you know, influx of, of first team signings in the next few weeks, is it, is it, I guess, a, a little more pressure on those guys to, to fill in the gaps and, until uh, you know maybe even summer? Because I know I know it's been from what it sounds yeah. like pretty difficult to to bring in guys from overseas right now. Yeah, look, I I, th- I think you know the reality is let's not dodge it mm-hmm. you know we lost two best 11 players we lost uh brendan it was best 11 and, and marco was best 11 and, and certainly there will be replacements for them um you know but it's it, you're not going to get the exact qualities of the, of the players you lost mm-hmm. so uh again you know you have to find um 
different guys that will be brought in that will do a job. Um, and, and certainly we are still actively pursuing um, players to come in and help us. But we also believe in the group that is here. Um, it is a unique offseason for sure in that, you know, uh, I, I do believe you'll see, you know, the, the windows get pushed back a little bit. So there will be a little more time. Um from FIFA where you can bring players in and, and into our league um, which is uh, a good thing so um, there are going to be uh, guys coming in obviously as, as some players went out last year um, but yeah navigating that and, and certainly the uniqueness of the offseason um, it has to be the right fit and at the right time and, and you know I think patience will be um, something that is, is preached and we will have um, those players that come in but you know again it, it's it's I don't want to put any unfair pressure on the kids that are coming in because mm-hmm. you're, you're replacing two best 11 guys and I don't want to put too much on them, but um, certainly some players will come in and, and help us out. You know that. Uh, let's talk about Mark and Brendan real quick because it's, yeah. it's, it's incredible to see, obviously we know the quality of players yeah. they are, but to see them go right into the first team, Brendan scores a, a heck of a goal yesterday. Yeah. I mean, how impressed are you, are you can, you continue to be with, with these guys going in and and getting first team minutes right away after uh, after their their seasons in MLS. It's been awesome, you know. Uh, again, you stay in, in contact with them, and we're, we're constantly I'm constantly texting with them. Um, you know, they're adapting and adjusting. Um, this has been their dream, so they're excited uh, as well. Um, and they've handled it, everything very well. They've made impacts, um, you know, with their their clubs in, in different ways. Obviously, Mark's been been doing uh, excellent you know getting clean sheets for for uh you know a, a top team in, in belgium um you know brendan scored a great goal yesterday and then speaking with jesse he's, he's thrilled with how he's adapted and adjusted and is just his willingness to learn and get better each day um you know both of them talk about just how um you know quickly you know in trainings and in games you have to make decisions and and those adjustments um, that they, they've, they've had to do, uh, they're doing quickly. Uh, but overall, yeah, they, they love their, their new experience. They're still part of, obviously, the, the Philadelphia Union family forever. And, mm-hmm. um, it's been great to see them have success uh, and do well. And I, I don't think this will be the last stop in either of their careers. Uh, gosh, you forget still how young they are. <laughs> <laughs> um, i got to end with some fun. Uh, I saw you, you rocking the, the new colors, the jacket last night. What are your, yeah. what are your opinions on the, the new kit? I love it. You know, it, it's bold. Uh, again, uh, you don't want to look like everybody. Everybody has the white, <laughs> you know what I mean? So in our league, so, um, grateful to the work that, that Doug Vossick did to piece that together along with our fans. Um, and it, it felt good. I, I, I liked the look of it last night. It, it took me back to, a uh, little bit of the gosh, I have a uh, a huge stash of no 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 exaggeration about uh, a <laughs> hundred of those. I call them the Run DMC jackets from the eighties. <laughs> but that one, when I put it on last night, it had that feel where it was it was cool. You could you could throw it on and rock it. Uh, if you went into a casual uh, restaurant, you could wear it to a club. You could wear it to a house party, whatever it is. It, it had that feel where it was uh, just a cool, cool jacket, and uh, uh, you know, away from kind of the dull, boring uh, white. And that's something that uh, I'm really excited for our fans to uh, embrace. And, and it's going to look really, really good when we uh, when we wear it, uh, you know, in our games. Yeah, I had I had more people tweeting me last night about where they could buy the jacket than the scouting report on Saprisa. So, <laughs> yeah, I, that's a good thing. I, I think it's gone over well. Um, I, again, appreciate the time. Uh, hopefully, we get to see you guys on a on a soccer field very soon. It feels like it's been 
been way too long now. Yeah. I'm getting bored.